you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Ham Fiction, the podcast that's exactly like sham fiction, but with more ham. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. And Andrew didn't want to do the intro. Here's the format. Each ham stallment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media ham chise that they are unfamiliar with, and challenged to write ham fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author ham basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those hammy elements that make each ham chise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, ham a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their master ham for all of us to enjoy. It's ham fiction written by big hams! It's ham fiction! This week's author is Marcus. Hey, ham listeners. How's uh, your ham day going? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a ham dinger of a day, Marcus. How about you? Well, I cannot wait to see what ham you have for me today on this <laughs> glorious piggy day. Uh, Episode 3 of Ham Fiction, our new show. Didn't we get uh, all the ham out of our system with Peter Porker last week? He was a literal pig, guys. A literal pig. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't think know. It's there has to be at least one more ham-related property we can cover. <laughs> I mean, this might be the last episode of Ham Fiction ever, for all we know. But uh, well, I think you it guys is, got something. It is, I, I am going to bring us back to reality for a second, and I will say that this is the last regular episode of season one of Sham Fiction um, before our grand finale next week. Um, so tune in, folks, for the, the grand finale. But who knows what it's going to be, but it's going to be great. You're going to love it. <laughs> As soon as we figure out what it's going to be, we will surely deliver. No, we know. And I can promise you, we'll give you advice on fighting the dredge and annoy Andrew with more ham comments. Oh, my God. That is my guarantee to you, listeners. What a guarantee, listeners. Finally, figure out how we can beat the dredge. After weeks upon weeks of being told not to. Spoilers. You can't beat the dredge with pure energy. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh no! Well then, why are they? Why would they tune in next week? Now, come on! <laughs> he gave it away because you have to be reminded. Constant dredge vigilance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the safer mm-hmm. way to go. That yeah. is the title of my uh, terrible crossover fan fiction I'm writing right now. Constant dredge vigilance. Mad Eye Moody well, hey, versus that is the dredge. A, that is a mouthful of a title. It does not sound like a ham fiction either. Oh, so it's true. Andrew, Andrew, what? What are we doing? What are, we, what are we pitching to Marcus this Well, week? I guess this is kind of a stretch as far as ham goes, but there is a little ham in this, and not a little ham. Actually, quite a large ham, by the name of John <laughs> Ham. <laughs> oh, yeah. Today we're talking about Mad Men. A little show, just a little show. You've probably never heard probably of it. Probably never heard of it, yeah. But uh, it's pretty good. It, pretty you know, good. it only kicked off the new golden age of television, arguably. Um, I say arguably because some people would say Sopranos, but uh, I don't know. That was kind of you know that was earlier. Mad Men, Golden first Girls, AMC shows kicked it off. <laughs> Clues in what the did title. you just say? I said I would say Golden Girls. Clue is in the title. Oh, that's that's a good one. I'd like I want to hear I want to hear your argument to that <laughs> thesis, but we don't have time right now because we're right. going to be talking about Mad Men, created by Matthew Weiner, came out back in twenty aught seven. And is starring the aforementioned John Ham. Marcus is laughing really hard because he's so happy that I actually used ought in the correct place. As opposed to 20 ought 16, which we frequently heard about. Uh, in addition to Mr. Ham, starring Elizabeth Moss, Vincent Carthizer from Angel Fame. Elizabeth Jen- Moss, is she uh, little Bartlett? She is little Zoe Bartlett, all grown little up. Zoe Bartlett, all right. Uh, South Dakota's own January Jones, Christina what? Hendricks. Yes, sir. I'm learning everything. One of the few. This is an educational podcast. It is. You're learning all sorts of stuff. Christina Firefly Hendricks and John <laughs> Howard Stark Slattery. Ooh. He played the first Howard Stark before the younger actor played Howard Stark in Dominic Captain America. Cooper. Dominic Cooper played him in Captain America wow. First Avenger. John Slattery was Howard Stark in Iron Man 2. 
and Iron Man. No. Civil War. <laughs> Civil War. He was in that flashback thing at the and, beginning of and Civil Ant-Man. War. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, he's a silver fox. <laughs> you can, right. you can so Mad Men. What's Mad there Men. to say? What is he's it? Got Marcus, a ham in it. Do, do, he's got ham in it. Marcus, can you say right now, hand on hand on the Bible, which you respect, <laughs> that you have never seen an episode of this television program? So was that saying the the Bible, which is a thing I respect, or were you saying which is the Bible that I would respect? So, like, is my hand on the complete works of Neil Gaiman, for instance? So, is I that meant the first one, is? but I like the second one better. All right. That's what I got. All right. Uh, so, I have seen parts of the pilot of Mad Men about nine years ago. Okay, we're done here. We're done. He's seen yep. it. Guys, sorry for... No, I messed this up. Forward and back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, man. Literally, all I can tell you about this is that it stars John Hamm as Don Draper. He drinks a lot and wears cool stuff, and oh, everyone yeah. smokes and is Ooh, sexist. Yeah. yeah, man. It's about all that stuff. It. All that stuff. All yeah, that That's jazz. everything I know about this show. Oh, my and goodness. you watched it. <laughs> I've seen, like, at least a season. You've seen at least a season? I have seen the whole thing. I've seen all seven seasons, and I highly recommend that you check them all out, listener. And so he doesn't Batman, end up oh. being D.B. Cooper, right? Because that was a rumor I read at one point, was that he was going to be D.B. Cooper. You know what? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim ignorance and not know what you're talking about. Well, okay. <laughs> Do you know who D.B. Cooper is? That's what I'm I stretching meant. out this pitch. That's what I mean by this. Yes, what is this? What is this? Stretch, we, stretch man, it out the pitch, because this is our last it'll hand fiction. No time. It'll you take know? no time. Just, uh... Want to Am make I sure ham fiction ends up? on a high Am note? Am I going to have to look this up right now? D.B. Cooper... the listener's great time. Okay, what? D.B. Cooper is a famous uh, robber. He's a thief. Stole Ooh. a bunch of money. Got yeah. on a plane. Yeah. And then uh, just, you know, jumped out of the plane with a parachute. Probably died. It's a cool story. It's uh, way cooler than I just said. And you, know uh, you should look it up sometime. I'm, Not I'm on the air. I'm because our listeners are paying for this. I just wanted to describe time. to the listeners that right now Eric has completely checked out. His head, his head is in his palm, in the palm of his hand. Did I say hand? His hand is in the other palm of his hand. The hand is in the hand. The hand is in the foot. The, uh, the palm his head to, is yep, against the desk. He is so frustrated, as I'm sure the listener is too. Guys, Mad uh, Men takes Eric, place I, in... I'm sorry my description was a little ham-fisted. Oh, that brought oh, it I back. I love you so that much. Brought I it love back. you so much. We're back into it. So Mad Men takes place in the 1960s. It actually kicks off in the year 1960. New York City, because Mad Men, they're named that. They, they, they coined it themselves, as the show tells us, because these are it's all about ad men on Madison Avenue in New York City. Ah. Hence the title. And the show... Broadly, broad explanation of what it is. It explores the business and personal lives of the people working at a high-profile ad agency in the 60s called Sterling Cooper. This is the name of the ad agency. Sterling Cooper. Yes, sir. And this show, it's deeply rooted in the period. The Lots of the conflict and the character growth is grounded in the 60s. Um, unlike a criticism that you had against 1122-63, in that there were very few characters representative of the sexism and racism of the period, Mad Men does not shy away from that. <laughs> characters are v- casually racist and casually sexist all the time, because it's the times. They, so, they weren't forward-thinking people at the time. I do need to clarify... Uh, my critique on eleven twenty two sixty three was that all of the good characters had no bits of racism or sexism about them. So all of the heroes, uh, whereas it was used as shorthand for villainy, which is inconsistent with the time period. Absolutely. So. And in this, um, everyone has a little bit of racism or sexism going on. The ladies, of course, of which we have some wonderful women that we'll get to in a second, are... Constantly be putting been put in the corner. They're putting baby in the corner. You don't do and, that. And you don't do that. 
But the racism is still there as well. Across no the good. Board. No good. So, this was a different time. But it was a change in time. Hence the reason to set the show in the 60s, because it's a volatile time. It's a time of change. And these people, who, for the most part, we got, you know, the ad executives, like Draper, who are in places of wealth, in of status, that these change in times, which they might not be taking part in, they're looking down from their cloud in their skyscraper office, it, it just kind of bubbles up to them. You know, they have to kind of deal with the change in times, and they're struggling to deal with these change in times. And that's a big point of conflict for these characters in the show, is the change in times and how they bump up against it. So, this show is all about the characters, so let's get to them. Starting with do it. Mr. Don Draper, played the by John Hamm. himself. Yes, sir. So, Don is the head of creative at Sterling Cooper. Ooh. This guy is well known as the best creative in advertising in New York City. People come to Sterling Cooper to work with Don. He is their main selling point because he's known as this pure talent in terms of the creative aspects of advertising. In the first episode, we see him pull a full ad campaign just out of his head in the moment. He's, it all just comes together, and he lands the deal. Because right out of his perfect head. Mm-hmm. Beautiful head space. That hammy, constant shadowed face. It's not a 5 o'clock shadow. It's like a 9.15 a.m. shadow. He's whole got a idea shadow. pops right out of his oinker. Yep. <laughs> oh my there it is. What? Right out of his hammy face. So you know, devilishly, devilishly handsome. He's a playboy. He he knows it too. This guy he sleeps around from he, snout to tail. He's top of the line. This guy. He is choice meat. This man. But mm-hmm. he knows it. He he know he. So he plays this kind of aloof. He has he's a very aloof figure, a loner. People don't know Don Draper. They think they do, but they don't. He's got a secret past that he will not talk about. He doesn't talk about his past to anyone, not even his wife. He won't talk to talk about the past. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. He's got a wife. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, yep. I see Marcus's face there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, one thing. That uh, I will add about Don Draper, you know, as a transition into talking about his wife, uh, he is kind of a piece of shit. (laughs) So let's talk about his wife. Betty Draper, who is played by January Jones, uh, um, South Dakota Zone. (laughs) She is a trophy wife. She is a former model. She is um, blonde, skinny. Perfect, you know, trophy wife. Um, she's January Jones. But, exactly, she's Emma Frost. We've seen her. We've seen her, like, uh, in, in Weird Crystals in that one movie. That everyone saw. Mm-hmm. And loved. Yep. X-Men first did, class. Didn't have enough ham in it, but... It no, was, uh, you could use start. a little bit more ham. So, Betty, like many people on this show, she's got the exterior, but the intern interior, the, the her inner life is harboring very deep anxiety. Mm. She is a is a wife and a mother. <laughs> Again, here's <laughs> another thing. Don's got kids. He's got two of them at this point in the show. Sally and Bobby. But Betty, even though she plays this trophy wife character, she's not very good at it. And she's not a great mother. She's quick to anger. She doesn't... Uh, she's just... You can tell that she's just a mom because that's what you, you do. You marry a man, and you become a mother, and you stay at home, and you drink, and you smoke. And occasionally ride horses. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And she's kind of a... You know, in, in some ways, she's just kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I have the feeling this is going to be a recurring theme here. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's. We'll get to the good characters. Okay. We'll get to the good characters well, who are actually kind. You know, good Eric. How people. about you? You go into the next character who is a good character. 
I am going to tell you about the best character on the show Ooh. as far as the least piece of shitness. <laughs> and that's uh, that's a a, a, a a woman by the name of Peggy Olson. Peggy Olson. Now, Peggy, she works at Sterling Cooper with Don. On, at the beginning of the show, she's basically Don's secretary. She, she sits at the desk outside of Don's office, takes his calls, you know, screens people from, you know, keeps people from barging into the office, does whatever he tells her to. Um, but uh, she's, like, just out of school. She's kind of learning this new this new business this new frontier this exciting world of advertising in new york uh and she is struggling she's struggling but uh she's very intelligent um she actually wants to be here at this uh, at sterling cooper like she's interested in the advertising and she doesn't necessarily want to stay in this role forever she doesn't want to just be a secretary forever. She actually wants to do the job that the men do. Yes. But in this world, in this office, all pretty much all the women, actually no, all the all women, all the women are just secretaries and office managers. Yes. So, she's got some ambition. That sounds dangerous in this time period to have ambition. Yes. It's not taken seriously, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, the interesting thing about Peggy too is like she is kind of they they portray her as kind of a contrast to a lot of the other women in this office because she's not as perfect or attractive seemingly as many of the other women in the office. And, and who she's, plays, so she has a hard time fitting in. Who plays Peggy in this? Elizabeth Moss, Zoe Bartlett. Ah. Um gotcha. Yeah, she's constantly being told by both women and men Mm-hmm. That she should be dressing differently to show off her features, and she's got good gams, so they're like, show off she's them, got gams. them gams. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She kind of dresses like a like kind of a, a little girl, mm-hmm. more or less. She's growing up. Peggy, and in terms of the show, there you go. Shows the most growth over the course mm-hmm. of the series. She represents yet, that woman coming fresh into the office and fighting her way into being being respected in the workplace. I can't say she's a piece of shit. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you everybody in the show is a piece of shit. I think she's actually kind of decent. Well, she definitely wants... She harbors a, a, a lust for the life. You know, she she does... She is... She is... She likes the glamour of this world as well. She She does enjoy those aspects of it because it's a pretty glamorous lifestyle being an admin in the 60s. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. So let's move Andrew, on to the... Yeah, uh, tell us about another piece of shit. Oh, man, the biggest piece of shit. It's Pete Campbell, who is played by Vincent Carthizer. Uh, so Pete is a junior account executive. Now we're, we're changing over to the account side of things. There's the creative side and the account side. And Pete is new. He's a young man. He's in his 20s. And he is ambitious. He is eager to work his way up the ladder here at Sterling Cooper. And he's after, in the early goings, he's after Don's job. You know, he keeps trying to, like, insert little creative points into pitch meetings, even though he's not supposed to. And he's willing to do pretty much anything to get where he wants to be. He's very jealous, very petty. And he comes from wealth, which Mm -hmm. definitely flavors this sense of entitlement that he has. Um, yes, he is not a very nice person, um, and whereas Don plays pretty cool around the ladies, even though he is himself, uh, a very sexist person, Pete doesn't even hide it, you know, he is, even though he is recently married, he doesn't, he doesn't hide the fact that he is looking at ladies and, and, uh, coming on to them. Piece of shit. So let's, let's move on to another lady, important okay. lady. Eric, please. We're going to talk about Joan. Joan! Joan, Joan Holloway, the, uh, the unsinkable Christina Hendricks. <laughs> God damn it. Um, she is the office manager. She is basically the queen bee. She is, she is more or less running the floor at, at this business. You know, she's not in charge of 
you know, she's she's not a boss, but she controls everything that is happening. So she is, uh, she oversees all the secretaries, and uh, she's teaching Peggy the ropes, you know, coming on. She's, uh, she's not necessarily a super nice person. Like, she won't take a lot of shit. She is strict. She runs a tight ship. Um, and, you know, a little bit of a piece of a shit. Just well, a, she, just a little bit of a piece of a shit. She the game. She, she's been in this job for a while. She knows that all the guys... And here's the thing. So, Joan is a good-looking lady. She is a bombshell. She's got major curves. And she knows how to access, access them. And she knows how to play to the men's wants. And she uses that. She uses that sex appeal because she knows that that's the way the world works. And so she plays that game and uses it to her advantage. Yes. All right. Last character that we're going to describe today is Mr. Roger Sterling. Oh, we've heard that name. It's only the name of the ad agency, though he did not start the agency. It was started by his father. Um... Roger is the is an account executive and a partner, so he's at the highest level. His his father is dead. He is he has seceded him, um, and Roger kind of plays to that. He, he he's inherited his position, so he's kind of lazy. He's devilishly charming as well. He knows he, he he's married. He's got kids, adult children. He's an older man. Um, but he's still a charmer. He still plays the field, but he doesn't really do much. His claim to fame is that he inherited all his father's accounts. So Lucky Strike Cigarettes, which is the biggest account that Sterling Cooper has, is his. Um, it makes up like 50% of their business, and he is in charge of it. But Roger was Don's mentor when he was coming up. In the in the ad world, so Roger is uh, claims a great deal of responsibility for getting Don to where he is, but Don has definitely superseded him at this point. Like people come to Sterling Cooper because they want to work with Don. Roger doesn't get a lot of new business; he just kind of rides the coattails of his dad. Got it. All right. So, Mad Men, what's happening? Everyone's drinking, everyone's smoking, everyone's sexing. I'm knocking things over at my place because <laughs> I'm so convert. excited by all of this stuff. One second, I gotta set this up. It's a, it's a, <laughs> one second, it's my, it's my trophy. It's my, one of my trophies. So let's just set <laughs> that there. One of your many trophies. Yes. <laughs> people don't, people don't see it, but the room that I'm recording in, line, it's much the all trophies, trophies line the walls. Um... I'm going to get another one for this pitch, Andrew. Oh, thanks, bro. I will point out that uh, I've been in this room, and a lot of those trophies are shared two jackets trophies that I don't Andrew know what you're talking home. about. <laughs> don't <laughs> understand. to display in his What you're domicile. talking about. Um, <laughs> the agency, total boys club. Yeah. All the guys, sexist, racist. It's politically incorrect by the, so, the through the lens of today. I'm going to guess everyone in the office is a white person. Yes. At this point in the show, yes. Um, later in the show, we start seeing more people of color. Um, mm-hmm. But at this point, nah, nah. In fact, the show, again, is very strict on those sorts of things. So when we see, in the uh, in some cases, like African-American or black people, um, they're in like the service industry. You know, there'll be a waiter at a bar or a guy in a, the elevator, you know, the elevator operator, that sort of thing. The show is very strict on those things. Sure. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, women are the lesser. Men call the shots. When women try and do something, try to act, when Peggy tries to, like, get her foot through the door, she's patted on the head and sent on her way. Um, she's trying to work her way up and prove herself, and it's proving more difficult because anytime she does something competent... A man swoops in and either takes advantage of it or takes, you know, claims it for himself or they take advantage of her and think that like, oh, hey, good job. And then they try and like pl- try to sneak in there and um, and then and try and get, you know, just get like kind of leery and gross. So, oh. 
Ew. It's uh, it's kind of gross. Um, but one of the the key aspects that uh, both Eric and I agree that we love about this show is the the kind of client of the week aspect of it. So there, the the most episodes have a client coming into the office that Don and the the, the gang need to create or solve the the they they kind of come up with like an ad strategy for that company. So early going Lucky Strike is a big one. Um, but it's, it's, it's everything. Cause like there's hairspray. Uh, one of them is laxatives. So they're, they're, they're selling everything across the board, but and they're doing, they're doing magazine ads, you know, doing a lot of stuff in print, uh, with art and, and slogans associated with it. They do get into some TV advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have their own department to make that, but they will come up with the strategy for commercials, uh, at radio commercials, all those sorts of things. That you can imagine. I mean, maybe billboards. Who knows? Anything. Yeah. So the show. Shows, Snapchat ads. Ooh. Yes. You know, if you decide to, you know, call an audible and set it in 2016. <laughs> I mean, they'll be pretty shitty by 2016 years stand years, but uh, yeah. Um, so the show is kind of structured around that. Like they're courting mm-hmm. a client. They're developing something for a client. And it's showing that personal life and the business life and how the personal life kind of inspires their business life and their approach to the, the ad development. May I just say, so we talk a lot about these characters, many of whom are, are, are sizable chunks of shit. Uh, the thing that I really love about this show is not even necessarily the specific characters. It's that it is always fun and interesting to watch people who are good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And Don Draper is the best at what he does. He can like, it's like he's got a, a superpower and like he can look at a client, he can look at what they're, what they need and he can just, he can just intuit what sorts of messages are needed. Like what do we need to tell the public and how do we need to tell the public what they need to know so that they'll purchase this product. He just knows how to do it. So he has these great moments where there is just these inspired, uh, like while he's taking a, a three-hour lunch, when he's on his fourth drink, he'll just like come up with the most amazing thing and pitch it, and it's perfect. So it's just it's great to see somebody who just nails it, who isn't. I mean, you have people characters like uh, Pete who is not good at what he does, but he's trying really hard. I hate him because he's not good at what he does. But Don, he, he, just, he just knows. And that's what I think is so fun about this show. Cool. And the, the, what, what I love is just the, the, the tone of it. Because the show, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because we just, just did, uh, you just did uh, Lost at Sea a few episodes ago. And this show kind of has that contemplative feel that you know that slow internal tone uh to it you know it's very everything is very deliberate um and the scenes can be very banal in what is happening but there's always an undercurrent that has been informed through you know a character being on their own you know some sort of discovery about what is happening in the character's personal lives flavors you know these scenes of business um, sure, and I find that really, really interesting, especially in the case of Don, who is so good at what he does because he wants the world, he wants to be happy, and he says that in the first episode that ad advertising is based on happiness, and Don's key flaw is that he'll never be happy, and he is chasing it. He wants what he doesn't have. He thinks what he what he doesn't have will make him happy. But as soon as he gets it, he wants something else. Yeah, pretty much. All uh, right. Are we at bonus, so bonus points? points yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I can kick us off. So, uh, Marcus, I want this to, I want to feel the, the, the time and the place. So this is <laughs> 1960s New York. Let's flavor it with, you know, New York landmarks or current events. Uh, the show starts in, in 1960. Um, so one of the things in this case that uh, they're talking about is the election. So oh, sure. that's that's uh, that's something that's going on. So 
time and place, flavor with the 60s. Eric, how about you? Yeah, so I'm just going to do something simple. Use a real brand or product. One of the things that's really fun about this show is that they never shy away from using the actual branded thing. They don't do a lot of off-brand, like, made-up accounts. It's always a real product, like Lucky Strike Cigarettes, or um, if they're going to have a bra, it's Playtex, or if they're going to have cosmetics, it's going to be covergirl whatever it is you know it's going to be a real brand so i want you to if you're going to do a a, you know an ad of the week or a a client of the week pick a real company sure that was around in the 60s preferably not google not snapchat though is okay possibly okay they're just snap now (laughs) little did you know that snapchat did used to be a thing they would send you uh letters in the mail that you would grab you would read but then they would self-destruct they would they would they would start to burn immediately after you read them a lot of people them. died a lot of stock it was very plummeted yeah that's why they went into hiding for 50 years and then came uh, back when they were like hey return. this is all it. true educational podcast guys we're teaching the people marcus any questions before we send you off to write uh, Mad Men. I, I think I've got some good stuff to go off of here. I'm uh, pretty excited. Gonna come up with some ad stuff. You know, I've taken a lot of marketing classes now, so... Yeah, miss the business! So, uh, yeah. Kind of know a little bit about this, although I haven't done enough drinking to make this fully accurate. Uh, we will we'll do our no best. No better time to start. No better time to start. <laughs> After 30 years, not a drop of alcohol... For an episode of Ham Fiction, I get wasted. <laughs> it was worth it. All right, well, have fun. Be safe out there. All right. See you in a bit. Hey, folks, we'd like to make a quick request. If you enjoy the podcast, please support us by subscribing and get a new episode for free every Sunday. While you're at it, you might consider rating us as well. We like positive reviews, so if you have something nice to say, please say it. If you don't like the show, well, pretend you're writing a sham fiction of a positive review and get yourself a little writing exercise out of it. Sounds like fun. Alright, thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Okay, Eric, Marcus is off to 1960s New York to join an ad firm and, you know, immerse himself in that world and write a sham fiction based on that world and by him saying this, this is in his mind palace where he has done zero research. That is the New York I'm talking about. Do, do you actually think he's not going to do research? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, he, I did give him the bonus point to do a little bit of research, but yeah. he might not. He might just go off, you know, f- shoot from the hip. Sure. Bing, bing. Um, so anyway... What do you predict he's going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, this is such, a, I think, a bad match for Marcus. It is. Just, it I'm going to get that, get that right out there. Yes. I don't think we're going to get something that even resembles Mad Men. One thing that I but, do like about pitching to Marcus is that we've pitched him a lot of things this year that the reason he has not seen or read or whatever them is because they are just not marcus yeah things like he is not into them um so it's always fun to pitch him these things and see what comes out i mean i feel a little guilty that nah. we pitch him these things because like nah. he's not gonna have fun with this but but maybe maybe he enjoyed this who knows yeah so how is he gonna have fun with it what's he gonna uh, do so my bonus point was about putting real products real brands in there and yep. i'm just going to double down on that and I'm going to choose three real products, Okay. and if he gets one of them, if, if that is the product covered that he, he mentions, he will get 100,000% totally right. I'll just stop listening at that point. I'm just going to take off my headphones. I'm going to start, uh, I don't know, pouring myself a brandy. Ooh, that's good. And uh, and he'll get all the points. I see uh, a decanting and, there in the background. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's got to breathe, Andrew. Yes. Yep. Um. So the three products I'm going to choose. Yep. Oh, sixties products. Um. I'm going to do Ovaltine. Oh, that's a good one. Ovaltine has been around forever, and it sucks. It's yeah, it sucks. It's no Nesquik. Um. God, was RC Cola around in the sixties? Yes. Well, it. Yeah. 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 It was. It was. It's, okay. it's still around now, uh, but it, it sucks. 
<laughs> yeah, it also sucks. Oh, that's also two drinks. Sucks. These are good. I like these. Um, okay. And then uh, Xerox. Xerox oh, machines. That's fantastic. Like yeah. photocopier. Oh, gosh. Uh, if, Cutting if he edge covers, technology. Yeah, if he covers one of those three, uh, and I'm kind of liking the Xerox thing because he likes technology. Um, so if he covers one of those, he gets all the points. What do you is think Xerox he's going to do? Is Xerox still around? Uh, Xerox is still around. Okay. They're just a big like company. A tech company? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, and with Xerox, I'm going to go ahead and wrap computers under this as well. I know okay. home home computers didn't exist, but if there's any mention of... Was IBM around? This is just thrilling radio. It's just Eric and I guessing what was around in 1960. Yeah, who's to say? Who's to say? I, you know what? Uh, Let's I, just... I don't actually know when IBM was founded. It was in either the late 60s or 70s sometime. I don't know. Okay. But whatever. Anyway, whatever. What, do you, what are your secret bonus points? What do you so think again, he's going to do? So again, we said a lot of brands there. So Xerox, RC Cola, and Ovaltine. Yes. Okay, got it. All right, so my bonus points are going to be going along with that fact that this is not a Marcus thing. And he... Th- th- so much so that I think that the, uh, the s- you know, sensitive subject matter he will shy away from. Yeah. Um, I actually expect this to be more on the business end of things. Um, since he is in currently in business school for his MBA, so I think we're going to see some of that experience uh, mm-hmm. show up. But my prediction, that my official prediction, is on the negative side, where I think he is going to shy away from the sexist and racist side of things completely, and there okay. will be none of that '60s era bigotry in this piece. So I know that's kind of a strange prediction, but the perspective, you know, that that that. Um, that old perspective is so saturated in this mm-hmm. show. It does not shy away from the bigotry. Right. Um, and the, the characters are kind of defined through that time and that perspective, mm-hmm. unflinchingly so, for the audience to make our own um, conclusions about. And that's one of the reasons I find the show so interesting is because that perse- perspective is so strong. But I don't think Marcus is going to go there. So... My prediction, I'll just tie the business thing in, too. I am going to predict that it doesn't have that strong, if gross, perspective from back then, mm-hmm. and that he will have, but he will flourish on the business end of things and have it be very uh, business talk based Perfect. on his studies. Uh, and we can hope there's a lot of John Ham, because after oh, all, so much. this is a ham fiction, so let's fierce, go listen to it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, fierce detail of John Ham. <laughs> Yes, all the detail. All right, let's hear it. Hey, fellas, I am back from the 60s with something that's a little bit mad. Ooh, a little crazy? It's an avenue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As expected. That's good, that's good. We were hoping that you would. Yeah, well, no, you, no crazy you, surprises this week, guys. No, no crazy surprises. Well, actually, what I did was I did write a Mad Men song, and yeah. then I called Reed, and he told me to go screw myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> no dice, deservedly so. But you did write us a ham fiction, right? I did write you a ham fiction. I'm excited. Oh, my first at bat, and the I first am, of many more to come. I hope. Well, we'll see. I, I didn't do a song. Uh, I'm disappointed on all accounts. <laughs> Very good. That's how I like my audience to go into the thing I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you want to hear okay. this? Let's hear this thing. You yes. Yeah. All uh-huh. right. Here we go. You take what you want. She moaned as the physical expression of his sentiment pushed her further up Don Draper's desk. That's why we're <laughs> here. You want me? Her voice quavered. She was still unsure despite being spread across the old mahogany. But this wasn't about her. Pay attention, Don said. That's why we're all here. Men take what they want. It's as simple as that. Whether they can afford it or not. My job is to tell them what they want, and they'll do the rest. Mr. Jacobson's secretary didn't have a response to that, which was just as well. Don was done talking. When he finished, he poured himself a drink as she dressed. (laughs) <laughs> Send Peggy in on your way out. Don, this was really... I don't normally... She's just outside my door. 
The only one not dressed as an adult. He went about straightening the things that had been pushed aside on his desk. The secretary, Linda maybe, pulled herself up to her full height and smoothed out the wrinkles in her blouse. Right. Mr. Jacobson will see you for your brief this afternoon. Will that be all? Don glanced up from his work. Excuse me? Her flush didn't set him off this time. It wasn't a mark of attraction. Besides, now that he'd had her, she turned on her cheap heel and left. Don took a sip of his cocktail and leaned back in his chair. There were tears in the corner of the girl's eyes as she struggled to maintain composure. They were a better indicator that Peggy needed to see Don than her actual words, so she sent the girl on her way and walked into her boss's office. The smell of sex, liquor, and cigarettes was overpowering. The smell Mm. of Don Draper. Mm. Characteristically, he didn't wait for Peggy to speak. Did you finish those notes on the client strategy? Peggy blushed slightly. She hated when she did that in front of him. Yes, Mr. Draper. Well, where are they? For a moment, she was frozen by his demanding, inviting eyes. Then she blushed harder, knowing what she had to do. Peggy walked up to Don's desk and pulled the blue folder out of a stack that had just been rearranged. She handed it to him without comment. He looked through the notes silently for a minute before finally looking at Peggy. You did this yesterday, did you? I finished it yesterday, but a client like Kraft takes more than just a... It's good work. Peggy blinked. Her lips stuck together. I want you in our pitch session today. I'm sure Mr. Jacobson's secretary can share the minutes. You don't need two women. I know what Mr. Jacobson's secretary can do. Lord, he was shameless. I want you there. Is that a problem? No, Mr. Draper, Peggy said. Will that be all? Do you want me to put together a board for your presentation? Nothing specific. Just show them where their product is today, Don said. He'd stopped looking at her and returned to looking past her, as he did with anything that wasn't what he wanted at the moment. He picked up his drink, and Peggy knew her cue to leave. Yes, Mr. Draper, she said. Sleeping wasn't the worst thing Don had done in his office. Hell, it wasn't even the worst thing he had done that day. Depending (laughs) on who was waking him up with that pounding on his door, it would be nothing compared to murder. His eyes focused through the throbbing of his hangover. Come in. Pete Campbell's smug face appeared in the doorway. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Slowing down, Donny. Never thought you'd be the type to take a cat nap at the office. But then I saw Jacobson's piece of ass blasting out of here earlier, so maybe you've been busy. I was thinking, Don said. And he decided he was too off balance to kill Pete today. Besides, he can never stand to let that shit feel so important. That's good, because old Roger would toss your ass out the window if you lost craft. Do you know how long they've been with Sterling Cooper? I do. Geezer won't shut up about it. Back in the war, you could get two craft dinners for one food ration stamp. Christ! It's like he thinks they're Jesus for selling cheese with noodles. Mm. How can I help you, Pete? Pete walked over to the window and opened the blinds. You know they're painting over that mural in the Empire State Building? The one on the ceiling with all the circles. Maybe we could ask them to paint it blue and call it a day. Pete, (laughs) why are you here? Oh, Roger sent me in. The pitch meeting started five minutes ago. Thought you should know. Pete stared at Don expecting him to rise to the bait. But he didn't know Don Draper. The anger cooled and formed into purpose as Don stood and grabbed the blue folder off his desk. Lead the way. Peggy took down the names of everyone in the meeting room. This took about a minute. It turned out Mr. Jacobson's secretary was named Lynette. She counted the seconds. The craft people weren't talking as they waited through Mr. Sterling's attempts to break the tension. It was his account, yes, but everyone in the room knew they were only here for Peggy's boss, the man who always won the day, Don Draper. If he'd only take a minute away from his women and booze to think about the problem. Kraft General Foods was a huge business. Peggy knew. She had done the research. They had the budget to expand their marketing across all 48 states. 50 states. That would take some getting used to. (laughs) They were going to be spending to win, and they would do that with whatever firm gave them that victory. Contracts be damned. After what felt like ages, victory arrived. Don had no clue what he was going to pitch. He just knew that he wanted to win, and Don Draper took what he wanted. By making Pete walk ahead of him, Pete was stuck holding the door, allowing Don to make his big entrance. How long have you gentlemen been waiting? 
Peggy, I'm sure you've kept track of the time. Peggy didn't hesitate. She was getting better at this. Seven minutes and 43 seconds, she said. That was too specific, but Don smiled at her and didn't break his stride. Less than ten minutes, and I bet you were about ready to walk. I know I would be if I had to listen to Roger's stories for that long. The room laughed. <laughs> Roger loudest of all. He knew he was saved. So, why did I keep you waiting? Is Sterling Cooper known for keeping people waiting? No. But you are. Or were. Back in World War II, America rationed its supplies at home to give our boys across the sea a fighting chance. People lined up and waited to get their craft dinners because they were delicious, simple, and you could get two boxes for one ration stamp, Roger chimed in. <laughs> Thank you, Roger, Don said, smiling. And you could get two boxes for one ration stamp. So, why are you here? Because your biggest innovation in the past decade was changing your boxes from yellow to blue. He walked over to the easel Peggy had set up with an image of Kraft's signature macaroni and cheese. Now, don't mistake me. It's a good-looking box. But is it something you'd be willing to wait for? Think of how those seven minutes felt, and ask yourself if you'd be willing to fill that way to eat your own product. In other words, how much do you want it? He had them. The people from Kraft were leaning in. Mr. Jacobson was counting their increased revenue in his eyes and planning for a new summer home. Even Pete had lost his disbelief. This was what Don lived for. He was the best, but being the best hadn't been good enough for a long time. He needed to prove that he'd still be on top no matter what the circumstances. He liked to go in blind and create a campaign that lesser men would kill to have come up with through months of work. He had them. Now all he had to do was reach into the air and bring it home. They'd buy anything. He just... He had nothing. <laughs> the smile was still there, but Peggy knew something was wrong. She had spent enough time working for Don that she could tell this wasn't normal showmanship. He was blank. The day had finally caught up to him, and he was terrified. She made her choice in an instant. Her preparation had been thorough. She had always wanted to be in the business, and unless she did something big, she would never be anything more than a secretary whose name men like Don Draper forgot. Mm. You don't want it, Peggy said. Her voice was soft at first, but hardened as she cut through the first signs of protest from Mr. Sterling. The reason that you're uncomfortable waiting for our firm's pitch, and even more uncomfortable with the idea of waiting for your dinner, is that you shouldn't have to. During wartime, men didn't wait to get your product. Women did. The men were out on the front saving lives. Today, it's the same. Women buy craft dinners so the men and their families don't have to wait. You're targeting the wrong audience. The room was silent. Don regained his composure so fast that he was sure Peggy was the only person who had ever known it left him. <laughs> exactly, he said. And the men sighed in relief with the knowledge that Peggy had his approval to speak. You may have been wondering why I invited Peggy here today, when I knew Linda was so capable. Lynette, <laughs> the secretary whispered. <laughs> I thought it would be best if you heard my strategy from the target audience herself. Now, what Sterling Cooper is proposing, my strategy. The words rung in Peggy's ears until she could hear nothing else. Don was still talking, but her pen made no notes. He had been clueless and unprepared, and it took him all of 15 seconds to steal her big moment. The instant he had started talking, all eyes in the room moved back to him. She was forgotten, dismissed. Like everything in the world, Don Draper had seen what he wanted and took it. And Peggy? Well, she would have <laughs> to wait. The end. Wow. Whoa. Awesome. Whoa. It, okay. <laughs> That was great. I want for more. You. I want more. <laughs> I'll tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> All these cliffhangers. Oh, wow, dude, I'm really impressed. Thank you. I, I'll. I initial reaction. I'm gonna give you the. Oh man, I doubted you. <laughs> I doubted you. I'm just gonna yep. say it. You I doubted me. you. Yeah. As the listeners know from the prediction segment. I doubted you. Oh. And I'm going to fess up and I'm going to apologize. I said, Marcus isn't going to go full perspective. He's not going to dive into Don Draper's head and we're not going to see the sexism. We're not going to see that, you know, that bigotry from that era. And you did it. You did it. And you did it well. You 
didn't shy away from this character exercising these terrible behaviors. And it made it drew me in, it it, it engaged me, and because this is a character that's so commanding and compelling and I mean, you created that. Again, from not having seen the show, you created that compelling aspect to the character. He just has this magnetism to him, and you captured that so fully. Uh, and what I was taken by is that um, the show is, like we described, is so you know pensive and kind of quiet for the most part. And I suddenly realized as I'm listening to you that when you dive into a character's head like this, it's much more aggressive and I really felt that aggression more so than I think I feel when I'm watching the show. Oh, sure. In your piece, because it is right there in this man's head, even though he doesn't address it himself, that's just the way he is, and that makes it so much more stark and striking. And you nailed it. So you didn't get my... Well, you got half of my bonus points, because I did think you were going to go biz- go for really you know embrace the business angle of things, and you did that as well. But you did not get the half of my bonus point where I was thinking you would not go the route that you did. Your secret you did. bonus point. Secret bonus point. Thank you. Um, and I'm very impressed. So, awesome. Awesome work. Thank you. I- I'm amazed just how close this felt. Now, I haven't seen as much of Mad Men as Andrew has. Um, but from the season that I've watched of this show, this the tone and the character relationships rang so true for me. The um, the fact that Don does treat the secretaries at the office like lesser people, the relationship that begins with he and Peggy as this sort of thing where Don learns to sort of trust her. Mm-hmm. and get her involved and know that she has good ideas um, and brings her into the meeting. And that that relationship where she saves his ass in the meeting and then he immediately takes credit for it is so spot on. It's something that Peggy just has to deal with in the show that, yes, I am contributing, but I'm never going to get credit for it because that is the horrible, unfair game that I'm playing. And so that rang so true for me. And um, the the voice that you used for Don, even just just the 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 physical voice you were using for the performance, as well as the voice you were using in the writing, to me matched so well. I felt like I was watching the show. It was great. And then you know, you got you got Smug Pete in there, <laughs> which I'm happy about because he is so smug, just the smuggest. I liked it. Oh Good. gosh, and and you know what killed me? What was that? Lit- Linda, maybe? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, oh, that was great. Um, that was one of many details that just perfectly encapsulated that perspective. Poor oh, yeah. So, man, let's hear it. Let's let's hear how this process was for you. Yeah, this was an interesting one. And I'm uh, not surprised by your secret bonus points, Andrew, because I knew that was a criticism you had after my Wolf of Wall Street was that I did yeah. uh, although I did have a wolf fucker guy <laughs> that's true let's be clear he wasn't like like you know father of the year here or whoever this guy was uh, anyway the point is with this I, I knew that's just so this era that I really wanted it because it wasn't just about having one bad character which is what I got out of Wolf of Wall Street uh, but this was the era is just a bad era there's no winning because it's just not how it worked back then. And so when I decided to actually do this as a proper uh, Mad Men shamfic or hamfic, I originally thought about doing it as a crossover, um, you know, just doing something crazy, really playing with fan fiction, because this is the last one I was going to write for a normal ham fiction episode. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, then I said, no, I, I want to do Mad Men. I want to do it right. And yeah, I just played off of what I knew about marketing. Uh, did some yeah. reading up on the 60s, you know, and had to really fight. My biggest urge in this was to let Peggy win. That was mm-hmm. the hardest thing, was that I knew she couldn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, I just struggled with that ending because I wanted to write, ah, yes, and Sterling says it'll be... 
you know, Sterling, Cooper, and Peggy. And uh, that's not not the reality was. <laughs> but it's fun. I, well, I, I enjoyed jumping between those two POVs, too. That mm-hmm. was something I wanted to do. I'm glad you did. Yeah, that's... And I can I could definitely see the interest and compassion you had for Peggy in that bit, but it was bolstered by your dedication to, again, sticking to that perspective for Don as well, and not shying away from that, which I think made the piece feel more genuine uh, as a whole. Yeah, thank you. So, good call. Um, so, a couple of the details that I really enjoyed, and again, this goes off of um, bouncing off what Eric said a little earlier, um, that just, again, just painted that perspective, and I just want to call out the, the little bits here. Um, when she says, when he says he turns on her cheap heel, when when uh, Lynette is leaving the office, I just, mm-hmm. that's just such a nasty little barb, you know, <laughs> at this, this poor woman um, who's being taken advantage of past him. And then also the... Um, the moment when Peggy notes that Don is looking past her, when she is no longer, uh, he's no longer interested in her because his mind is somewhere else immediately. Um, I liked that bit of detail, and such a great Draper moment because this is this is so Don Draper. When he finds out that he's late, he doesn't panic. He gets angry for a second, but then he just composes himself and makes it like intentional. Yes, I meant to do this. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> Don Draper moment. I, I really appreciated that moment. It's such good. These little bits are just perfect at character. It's just great characterization moments. So, kudos. Thank you. Eric, any other details that really stood out to you, good or bad? Uh, I mean, nothing bad. It's all good. Um I like that you you got my bonus points of a real brand slash product. So you got Kraft Mac and Cheese, baby. Good choice. Good choice. Um, My secret bonus points was actually doubling down on that. And I I chose some brands and products where if you had mentioned those, you'd just get all the points ever. Um, But you didn't didn't get my secret. I did not choose Kraft. Uh, I chose Ovaltine, RC Cola, and Xerox. Didn't see either of those, which is fine. Yeah. Um, so I, if it's cool, I'm just going to jump into your score um, because this was so excellent, so close to source. But not only that, it was a well-written piece. We have this very strong perspective. And not only that, we have two very strong perspectives. And we're you did a very good job of balancing that, going from Don to Peggy and back and forth. I believe they both had two scenes at, from their perspective. And it felt really good because you got to see that internal process from Don. But then you got to see what Don looks like from the outside. So it's really balanced, gives you a very full picture of this character of Don Draper. And you did it. You, I bought it. And it was intriguing. And Andrew and I both had smiles on our faces that entire time because it <laughs> just felt so good. Very, very strong piece. One of my favorite that you've ever done, and I wanted it to continue. I was shocked when it ended because I wanted to hear more of this pitch. I wanted to keep hearing Don talk because that <laughs> is such a pleasure of Mad Men is listening to Don Draper pitch. And um, you left me wanting, but that's that's good. You Thank should you. leave your audience wanting. And so because of that, my points are going to be that you're now a full partner of Sterling, Cooper, and Man. <gasps> Ooh! So congratulations, Thank you. partner. We have Kraft, which spends outrageous amounts on marketing. You know, they sell a million boxes of mac and cheese a day. Nice. Wow. So they That's make a, a million dollars a day? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're so cheap. That's uh, good. That's, That's great. Good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because with that craft detail, you also... I, and you did a few more things, but the craft detail that you mentioned did satisfy my bonus points as well, which was um, like an, uh, a detail that was period accurate. Yeah. And I didn't know about the changing in the box for craft. It's 1958. Between, perfect. Yeah. So like that detail satisfies my bonus point. But then you also had the uh, 48 to 50 states detail, which was <laughs> new at the time. 
uh, with Alaska and Hawaii join, joining the Union. And then um, the Empire State Building mural painting. Was that also a detail that you found out through research? Yeah. They used to have this uh, beautiful Art Deco ceiling. And then they covered it, painted over it, and it was restored to look as it did prior to that just recently. Nice. Oh, so it went back to the mural? Yeah. That's great. Very nice. Um, so bonus points achieved. Uh, again, uh, I'll also give you one half of my secret bonus points, but I actually i am just going to give you the points because I'm glad that you did embrace <laughs> the perspective. So forget what I said earlier. Kudos, <laughs> kudos. Um and yeah, I think my biggest criticism of this piece sure. is more um, just I think it's based in my expectations where it did feel like more of a slice of something than a complete beginning and end. Um, I did really want a scene after the meeting where we see Don and Peggy confront each other again. I felt like the piece was leading to that. Um, especially since we had that meeting before, it just felt natural that we had something after that felt drew it to more of a conclusion. Um, so if there's any criticism I have is that I did, it did feel abrupt when it ended. Um, there wasn't any sort of denouement, um, with that, even if it was, and it could have even had the same, um, it might've even been a little bit more, you know, of a positive, you know, with Peggy thinking that she you know, kind of got a, a toe in, you know, into this world, um, and had a chance to, you know, continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that's, that's, that's the biggest criticism I have because the perspective of both were so strong and I'm going to bounce off what Eric said earlier that the transitions between them, between those perspectives were so smooth. I like the, when it changed to Peggy's perspective, that first, well, every time it changed perspectives, it didn't, it wasn't. It, 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 I. I just went with it. It, it didn't feel abrupt, um, even though you did make that very deliberate change in perspective. Those, those in those times, um, I just found that great. It flowed um, compared to uh, the last time you wrote with Lost at Sea. I did not get lost in this piece when you kind of changed between. Um, you know, in that case, it was between kind of an internal world and an external and the external. Though, sure. though for our audience, I'll point out that that was our old show called Sham Fiction. This is Ham Fiction. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification, Eric. Thank you, Eric, for that. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry. Uh, anyway, so so those are my those are my thoughts. Uh, I, I'm going to give you eight boxes of mac and cheese out of ten. Ooh, nice. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a I'm, that's a point you can take I'm straight to your really stomach. I'm really upset about that. Uh, because every other score on Ham Fiction has been a perfect score. So you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. What? That's it. You're, we are not you're doing done? any more Ham Fiction. Oh, we're not, dude. No. We just, no. we like just launched. This well, is our new show. If that's how you're gonna treat me on this show, I spent all of hours writing this, and <laughs> you don't give me ten boxes. You can get two for one ration stamp, Andrew. <laughs> we heard that a couple of times, yes. That's true. <laughs> That's a good callback. I like that one. <laughs> so I'm, All I'm right. done. No more ham fiction. We're done. Uh, oh, so we're back in sham fiction? We're, it's sham fiction again, uh, as it always gosh. was, I but I'm know. just going to humor you and say that it is again? just, you know, sham fiction again. You know, I've heard that you can't go back. That's something yeah. I've heard. I don't, I don't know if uh, time to heal. I don't know if we ever left, <laughs> uh, but, you know, whatever you guys think. Um, well, so okay, okay. Really quickly, yeah. I'm just I, I do want to insert that uh, for those that want to watch Mad Men, it is available many places, and you can check it out, like on Netflix. All uh, I think it's six seasons. Oh boy, I might be getting that wrong. Uh, are on Netflix, so if you want to watch it, it's lovely. Check it out. Beautiful, beautiful piece of work. Um, if 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 it's a little dirty at times, you, you make, know, it might make you, you feel you, a little dirty at times. You know what it has? What does it have? Great theme song. But, oh, you know, yeah. we, we wouldn't know because um, Marcus didn't write one for us. But I, I, the okay, real show know, has a great stop song. Stop it. I'm done. Done with ham fiction. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. So, sham fiction. Sorry if I'm feeling salty about it. Uh, 
Wait, what's that, that a reference? Is what is we that... call the nail in the coffin. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think, I think beautiful. there's. <laughs> You've been hammering nails in this coffin <laughs> from uh, the beginning two weeks ago. <laughs> so, real talk, guys. Real talk. Real talk. This is episode 51 of Sham Fiction oh, with an gosh. S. Sham so Fiction. Good. This moment. Um, which means that we only have one episode left in our first season of the show. Episode wow. 52 will be the end, so next week. So just just putting it out there. So this is our last regular episode. Next week we're going to be talking a lot about um, this past season as well as what we can look forward to in the future. Uh, but uh, it's a milestone. I think we should acknowledge that we feel pretty good about it we set out at you know in early 2016 we said we are going to do you know one year 52 weeks of the show week to week and we did it and we're almost there yeah so we hope that if you've been listening that whole time that you've enjoyed this season and we're happy to share some thoughts some a retrospective if you will uh next week when we talk a little bit more analyze it a little bit more what we liked what we learned yeah, it's going to be fun. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we hope you'll remember until then that you can't beat the dredge because they are, of course, pure energy. Always they, good to know. If they have not learned that this season, we have taught them nothing. That is the one repeating. You don't see yeah. that on writing excuses. Oh, oh, man. Uh, beautiful. All right, guys. Marcus, what a fantastic way to end the regular season but we'll see you next week thanks everybody Bye. bye bye Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. <laughs>